Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly here. The big news this week is the date for the referendum finally being announced by Anthony Albanese. So with October 14 now firmly in our sights, the debate over The Voice is really going to fire up. You're going to hear a lot about it in the media. You're going to hear a lot from our politicians. And a lot of those people will be non-Indigenous. So if you want to learn about this from an Indigenous perspective, I want to recommend a podcast to you. It's called Black Matters. It comes out once a week. It's hosted by Teela Reid, who's a really interesting um, Indigenous lawyer who we've had on the briefing. And she weaves through all of these issues from an Indigenous perspective. So to give you a taste of this podcast, this is the episode they put out today where they explain how the next six weeks will actually play out and what it means to Indigenous people. We start today by acknowledging the lands and waters of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to their ancestors past and elders present. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers. Welcome, this is Black Matters, a podcast that is about First Nations matters and why they matter. I'm Teela Reid, a First Nations advocate, lawyer and proud Wiradjuri and Wailwan woman. If this is your first time joining us on Black Matters and you're wondering who I am and why we spell it B-L-A-K, go back and check out our previous episodes. Today, I'm not joined by my friend Michael, MC Christian, but I'm not completely alone. I'm joined by my good brother, JP Janky, proud Wathathi and Mariam Mann and co-host of SBS NITV's First Nations Current Affairs show, The Point. Hey, JP. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon. It's a bit different. I'm normally the one interviewing you on uh, various That's, media platforms. I'm in the box seat, bro. <laughs> and we're going to have a yarn about the very big news. The idea for a voice came from the people and it will be decided by the people. Today I announce that referendum day will be the 14th of October. October 14th is the big day. We all go to the ballot box and vote. Were we expecting that? Yeah, absolutely. It looked it had to be towards the end of the year. Uh, noticeably, it had to be away from you know football finals, long weekends, um, and the date sort of became uh, confirmed when the prime minister announced that he would be travelling to America, uh, and I think to China in late October. So the, the October fourteenth date really was the only date that was left where he could get it done. And it was announced down in deadly Tadanya in Adelaide on Ghana country. Why do we think it was down in South Australia? Oh, look, importantly, South Australia is a swing state. The Yes campaign will need South Australia in the sort of double majority. Of course, double majority, you need the majority of national voters, but then you also need four out of the six states. So if Queensland and WA fall over, then obviously we'll need the last four states to get the referendum over the line. And South Australia is an important state mm. for the Prime Minister. And I think uh, they mentioned it as well that South Australia was also the launching place for the 
the campaign for the 1967 referendum and South Australia is working towards, uh, or they've introduced legislation to having a voice to parliament uh, in the South Australian parliament. Yeah, South Australian has such interesting history when it comes to First Nations frontline advocacy. And of course, uh, as you said, the 1967 referendum was announced in South Australia. And do you want to give our listeners a little bit of a backdrop on kind of that context of the, I guess, the consequences of 1967 and why it's so important now to have a voice to parliament? Well, well, the 1967 really it, it clarified uh, two amendments in our constitution. One, of course, was to count Indigenous people in the census. Aboriginal people had been counted prior to 67, but they had not been counted in the national census by reckoning of the population. So it amended that and said that Aboriginal people should be counted in the census of for population. And importantly, at that time, uh, the various state and territories were administering uh, Aboriginal affairs through their various administrative bureaucracies and portfolios. So the Commonwealth Government absorbed the responsibility for the administration of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So it, it cleaned up those two aspects in our constitution. One of the misnomers, of course, of the 67 referendum is that it gave Aboriginal people the vote. Aboriginal people had had that from the early 60s. Um, and the other misnomer is that it gave Aboriginal people citizenship. Of course, that had happened a lot earlier, although they could not enjoy the full rights of being a citizen because of the continued restrictive uh, policies and legislations by the various state, territory and Commonwealth governments through their various Aborigines Protection Acts. So they did not enjoy the full citizenship that had been granted to them. And you make a really good point, actually, which is, Prior to 1967, and most Australians don't understand this history, JP, and we know that you've got your history bits on <laughs> NITV. I love them every week. So if you don't know, JP hosts the Referendum Roadshow. Check it out on NITV and he has his history bits. But prior to 1967, most Australians don't know that actually federal parliament did not have any power at all to make laws with respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. That was the fundamental change. And so now here we are in 2023, asked as Australians to vote for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to have input into the federal parliament lawmaking process. Because one of the issues as well as a consequence of 1967 was when those local Nunanjeri people went all the way to the High Court to say that, well, as a consequence of 67, federal parliament ought to only be able to make positive laws. That was their legal argument at that time. The High Court said, well, post-1967, we agree that federal parliament got that power to make laws with respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, but those laws can be both, I quote the High Court, to the benefit and the detriment. So here we are now, a few decades later, with the impact of that negative lawmaking as well as positive lawmaking. And I think the voice is an opportunity here to improve the democracy, to ensure that the many different Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices are heard. And so now that we know the vote is about six weeks out, from today. What do you think about the campaigns, JP, the ramping up of the 
yes and no. What's your sentiment on the ground? Because you've spoken to lots and lots of different Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as well. Yeah, look, we've, we've had the opportunity to go around Australia on this referendum road trip for the point. We've spoken to uh, many representatives in the community, those supporting uh, the Yes campaign, those opposed to the, the voice to Parliament, seeking all their views. And, you know, the, there are diverse views in our community, as you know. But I remember one of our first shows, uh, one of our guests made a very good comment. There's a Yes campaign and there's a No campaign and there is a campaign of racism. And I think that has reared its head. The last one, the campaign of racism, has reared its head uh, prior to uh, the announcement of the referendum date. And sadly, that will continue, if not escalate, as we head towards that referendum date. So I think, you know, both the both sides, the yes and the no campaign, will do their best to prosecute their various thoughts and ideas on the way forward. But sadly, there will be some in our communities who will use their support of the no campaign to echo racist, ignorant and bigoted views towards Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And uh, one of our guests uh, in Tasmania uh, two weeks ago said, you, you know, that there has always been racism or racist elements in Australia, but in particular when it comes to attitudes towards Aboriginal people, there is a particular level of racism directed at Aboriginal people in this country. And I think sadly a lot of us are, are knowing and expecting that really to ramp up over the next six weeks. Look, I think a lot of our community are absolutely feeling the weight particularly of that racism and the media and I would encourage our listeners to really embrace their First Nations friends and family members and to try and take care of each other as we are head towards one of the most significant votes of our lifetime. And a referendum vote is not like an election vote. Can you explain what we have to do when we get to that ballot box? Well, it's a simple question. The government is putting forward an uh, amendment to the constitution and that'll be the question. That do you support a proposed amendment to the constitution to recognise First Nations people uh, in our constitution, yes or no? So you simply have to answer yes or no. And we've seen some mischievous debate over the last week or so about uh, ticks and crosses. The AEC has been out there saying to people, don't worry about ticks and crosses, just make sure you vote yes and no, yes or no. It's less than 1% of people will probably vote informally on, on that referendum uh, ballot paper, but they're particularly saying to people, just vote yes or no, don't do ticks and crosses. But really, I think what we've seen with the ticks and crosses over the last week or so when the misinformation circulating around that and then the whipping up of the social media frenzy on that the referendum is already rigged and that the AEC has made this decision is really showing us, I think, the, the differences between the two campaigns. So mm. I, I would expect that we can see a yes campaign, which we saw at the uh, launch of the date, really is trying to sell an inspiring and hopeful message, you know, one that says, look, the nation is stronger when we have recognition of First Nations people, when we listen to our First Nations people, and when we really start to reconcile with our First Nations people. Now, the opposite is the no campaign, 
claiming that this nation will be more divided, more bureaucratic, less equal. It will afford uh, Aboriginal people more rights than non-Indigenous people. So there's going to be two really different campaigns. And sadly, in a world of social media, that campaign of negativity and fear seems to get a lot more traction than probably what it deserves. Mm, Absolutely. And every household is about to get these pamphlets in their letterboxes very soon with the a rubber stamp of the government, yes or no. But, you know, they haven't been fact-checked, have they? Yeah, there was a uh, there was an opportunity, I suppose... Uh, prior to publishing, I prior should to, say. Prior to publishing, um, mm. to make sure that uh, all material in the referendum was fact-checked, but that, that amendment to the legislation did not succeed. So, yeah, we're, we're in a situation where almost anything goes and it's up to independent fact checkers to maybe provide some advice and truth on that. But sadly, in a world of social media, it doesn't matter. Though When something is out there, it tends to stay out there. And despite maybe apologies or corrections weeks or months later, it's over social media, it's all over the various platforms and it stays in people's consciousness. And, you know, sadly, we... We'll, we will get to a stage where in this six weeks where the Indigenous community is divided by being real blacks or true blacks or elite blacks, and that's the, that's the discussion that this referendum will take us to. Um, and we've already seen uh, an increase in the support service, in the request for support services of various Indigenous call centres because I think people are seeing more racism and ignorance and bigotry online and it's directed at them for being Aboriginal. And I think someone said it today that this will be a referendum about being Aboriginal Mm. and people will vote on their interactions with Aboriginal people as opposed to maybe learning what what the various elements are of the restatement and the question that is put forward. I absolutely encourage people to really think critically about what they are seeing on social media and online. Uh, You, JP, sent a very strong warning sign a couple of weeks ago when you were on ABC and also NITV speaking about some of the dangers of the artificial intelligence of coming out of sections of the no camp pretending to be Aboriginal. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, uh, various elements of the No Campaign campaign group, not the official No Campaign, but various elements supporting the No Campaign were using AI. And they still are using AI and they've openly admitted that they're using AI. And for a lot of people, they were, for a lot of viewers, I think they were using it in a way to say that Indigenous people support the No Case. Mm. And it is very dangerous, I think, you know, to listeners out there, you've really got to in the next six weeks, what you see on social media, you've really got to question the validity of that, the truth, and seek other sources of information on those messages. And look, it, it, it boils down to just basic misinformation, mistruths, and mischievous content. You know, things like anonymous letters that are found in uh, cafes in Canberra mm-hmm. and passed on to parliamentarians who present them in in the Senate as official documents from the Yes case and those documents have outrageous dot points that says if the referendum gets up, 
this is what Aboriginal people will do, you know, like paying 50% less tax, charging all national parks and beaches, uh, renaming Queensland, giving everything traditional names, you know, like 50% of all board appointments and pilots and judges will have to be Aboriginal. Like it is... It is actually quite fanciful. It's bonkers. It's yeah. absolute bonkers. And as someone who is in the media and there are rules around coverage like regular election, is there like media blackouts as we near closer? No, not at all. Not at all. This will be uh, something that goes all the way up to the referendum day. And uh, as many have said uh, at the start of the campaign process, uh, a year ago, is that this is the first referendum fought in the age of digital platforms. Mm. So it, it tests people's engagement with digital platforms, but also highlights how misinformation can be spread quicker than probably previous referendums and elections. And mm. I think it's something that we will need to look at in the future of how do we how do we control information on social media that is incorrect, inflames people's ignorance, and in a lot of ways, you know, is just outright lies. Yeah, we had um, Professor George Williams on the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking exactly about what you are mentioning, which is the rules around misinformation, disinformation, and the fact we haven't been able to amend them prior to this referendum, but we might be able to have them amended by the next election to mitigate the damage of what this disinformation and misinformation is causing. And just as you were kind of recapping some of the things you have seen online and just kind of where what we saw yesterday coming out of the yes campaign and the no campaigns, just the sentiment of those kind of two polar opposites You've got one, like you said, that is really, you know, yes, asking for a better future for our country, opportunity, recognition, better outcomes for Aboriginal people. Then we've got this kind of case of division and somehow be race-based when, in fact, we are already experiencing more racism. I mean, it's a lot to unpack for people as we move forward with respect to kind of, I guess the key point is, you know, not to be doubted by the fear and to really actually suspend our cynicism and embrace this really positive opportunity we have to recreate for our nation. So just after six weeks, we're going to either have the voice or we won't. Let's talk about what that might look like. What what, what are you imagining waking up on the day after a referendum? Well, I, I think uh, those in the Yes campaign uh, have made some real clear statements about what it means to Australia's reputation if the no campaign gets up. That if on Sunday the 15th this nation wakes up to saying no to constitutional recognition on its First Nations people. And people have been saying that that will set back the cause of reconciliation, that it means that First Nations people won't really feel part of this nation, our international reputation will be damaged because really in the lead up to the, the actual referendum, the no campaign will try and talk about everything else apart from the actual question that's being put on the table. They will talk about, mm, you know, so they will true. talk about parking tickets, the length of the Uluru Statement that it goes to 28 pages or 26 pages, not one. They will throw in welcome to countries. They will talk about treaty and reparations. 
they will say that corporates and VIPs and sporting stars need to stay out of the debate. So they will try and confuse, they will focus on everything to confuse the viewer, uh, the listener, the voter, from the simple message of it's about constitutional recognition of First Nations people and in that through them having a say on the policies that affect them. So the opposite is basically the yes campaign of this is a simple question. It's about recognising our First Nations people in the nation's birth certificate and through that giving them a say in the policies that affect them. So if this nation wakes up, as many have said, on October 15th and we have said no, then I think there will be a deflation of Aboriginal people who have felt that there were for generations and their ancestors and their uh, previous generations who have worked towards this point, generation, uh, that they haven't achieved it. Uh, I was listening to uh, Pat Farmer uh, the other night in Canberra, and Pat is running around Australia in support of a voice. Now, Pat is a former Liberal member. Um, he served in the uh, Howard government, I think the 2004 onwards. So he was he is a supporter, he is a Liberal supporter for the voice, and he was saying, you know, we need to flip the question around that if you're a no voter, why are you saying no to not including your fellow Australians, First Nations people in this nation's birth certificate? And why do you not want them to have a say in the policies that affect them? And he was a very simple, very simple response. And then he is running around Australia to, as he says, to get the older generation to support the yes vote because he believes that it is not something for this generation, but it's something for future generations to come. And, you know, we talk about nation building and we talk about things and infrastructure and societies that we build for future generations and a lot of people are saying this is something that we can build for a nation for future generations not just today's generation but for our generations to come it is now a sprint to the referendum voting ballot box. I think there is great prospects here. And I have myself travelled the continent speaking to everyday Australians in real life. And I think if you do have the chance to attend an event in person and hear directly from advocates, not online, not taking sound bites, not other people recreating narratives, but sit down, listening these old ways like we do as mob, as community. I think there is a real opportunity to learn and grow here. And I think the day after a successful referendum is going to create more chances for everyday Australians to embrace the many different voices of First Nations peoples. And as we do every week on Black Matters, we ask our guests, could they please share with us a First Nations language? And we hope that you have something for us today, JP. Uh, look, yes, uh, I will say a word that we use in the Torres Strait, that is in uh, one of the languages of the Torres Strait, and it's the word for yes. And uh, the, the word is used in a positive way to say yes or right or good. And when you ask someone, are you okay or is, uh, is that fine, they will just say wa, which is spelled W-A. And what? Wow. And it means it just is it a positive endorsement, I suppose, to say yes. And it's a word that we use in, in my company that we use to really make positive change. And we've, we've, we've named our foundation after that. And it's just what? So we say what? What to a better future for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? 
Well, wah and big SR to you, JP. And if you want to hear more from JP, he's on with Narelda Jacobs every Tuesday night at 7.30 for the Point Referendum Road Trip on SBS at NITV. Check out our previous episode with Narelda and her thoughts on accepting the King's birthday honour. Don't forget, there's also heaps more Black Matter apps for you to listen to. Why we acknowledge country, the history of treaty and voice. Aboriginal Australia links to soccer. There is a lot there for you. And thanks for joining us today, JP. Yalu. Thanks very much.